Hey Buddha Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers, and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics, and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Today I'm here with Rick Cesari, and he's a marketing strategy creative director. He's been working with D2C brands for uh, more than 30 years, and he worked with clients such as the George Foreman Grill, uh, the GoPro camera, and also Dormeo. Probably you are familiar with the TV ads, and uh, he worked on those back then. So many interesting clients in the past decades, a ton of experience. I'm very happy to have Rick uh, here with us today. How are you, Rick? I'm very good, Daniel. Thank you for having me on your show today. So let's start uh, with some background story. I'm curious, how did you get started with marketing? And when was it? What was your initial motivation back then? Yeah, that's a... I'll try to keep it as short as I can. It was kind of a journey for me. I actually studied... um, biology in college. And my idea when I was going to college, I wanted to be a marine biologist, um, mm-hmm. but you needed to go and get, go to graduate school. And I didn't feel like continuing on in college. Um, so my family was living in Daytona Beach, Florida. I uh, moved back there after college. Uh, for a year, I kind of was a little bit of a bum. I was a bartender and a lifeguard, not a bum, just a you know casual lifestyle. And realized, yeah. I mean, while it was fun, there wasn't a big future in doing any of those jobs. So I started reading books about how to make money and, um, and, and, uh, you know, how a lot of people made money and they always kept coming back to the same thing, investing in real estate, investing in real estate. So I started buying a whole bunch of books about investing in real estate and, uh, went to a seminar, uh, that was put on in Orlando and they, um, I basically did what they said, went out, bought a house, sold it two weeks later, made $12,000. And I was only like 21 years old. So to me, that was like a million dollars. And that was a really cool feeling. So um, just out of the blue, I called up a business magazine and and told them about my experience. And, um, and they ended up writing an article about the person who was putting on these seminars. So he asked me to come work with him. And to just to give you an idea how long ago this was, this is... Um, 1985-86 and the way they were marketing the real estate seminars was taking out ads in the newspaper um mm-hmm. it was still a direct response thing though because we would know how much we paid for the ad how many people would show up at the at the um seminars and then how many people we could convert so it was kind of like the same fundamentals and metrics as online marketing but you know using old old technology and from there, I just got hooked into marketing and really enjoyed it and had a knack for it. And some of these real estate guys were the first ones that started using television direct response. Uh, so the next step after using newspapers was I made an, uh, an infomercial back in 1986. It was about the same thing, promoting real estate investing. Um, and then we had we had a lot of success and we built that seminar business up to one of the largest in the country in about two years. But I've, I've always been an entrepreneur and I wanted to go out on my own. 
and um, I was looking for ideas and I found one. Um, basically, I was into health and nutrition. Um, I was into juicing, you know, making juice out of fruits and vegetables. And I put together a program uh, marketing a product called the Juice Man Juicer and marketed using television infomercials. And that mm -hmm. grew from zero to 75 million in about four years. And I sold it at the end of that time. And now we're 1993. And um, that's kind of how I got into marketing, just kind of accidentally. It, not, it wasn't like a lifelong dream of mine, but I've always had a knack for it and have really enjoyed it. Yeah, amazing. So why did you decide to leave that, that you know, initial company and start your own thing, launch your own thing? Because I think so many people, they don't do it, right? It, 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 was it just your you know, uh, instincts or, or what, what was really it? Yeah, I think sometimes it has to do with your personality. And I'm not saying that direction is right for everybody, but I've always been very independent and never really wanted to work for someone else. And so it just made sense for me to to do that. And mm -hmm. I think everybody just needs to look and see if that makes sense for them to be an entrepreneur. And if it does, I think what you're talking about is like, it's really important to kind of take that step and try it. And I think a lot of people don't do it because they're afraid of failure. And, um, you know, at the time I was very young, I wasn't married, I had really no obligations. So it was easy. If I failed, I would just get up and try it again. And, and um, you know, I've had a lot of failures through my life. And, um, but I think that's one thing that stops a lot of people initially is just their mm -hmm. fear, fear of failure. And, you know, that's too bad because you'll never really find out what's on the other side of that if you don't take that chance. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the cost of fear is actually bigger than, than the cost of failure, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yep. you got into TV and, and TV advertising. So, and I know you work with Dormel. How, how did you work with that company and, and what did you do for them? Yeah. Well, let me, we, we just skipped about 30 years. So let me just kind of fill in. Between oh, I, I thought it was in the nineties actually. That no, no, no. Um, okay. So what happened was after um, I sold uh, the juice man business, this was in 1993, I sold it to a company called Salton housewares. Uh, they were based in Chicago and Salton bought the company for two reasons. It, it was a good brand. We had built up the juice man brand and also the bread man brand. Uh, but they also liked the way we were doing marketing. This was really early and it was kind of like in the early days of Facebook marketing, there was like really great return on investment on in TV. And so they were trying, they were buying the expertise of what I was doing on TV and they had a product uh, that was a grill. Um, it was originally a taco maker and it was slanted because the idea was they'd cook hamburger meat and brush the meat into a taco shell. Anyway, that turned into the George Foreman Grill, which was one of the most successful housewares products ever. And um, after that, I kind of, people just kept coming to me and saying, hey, can you help us out? So I started an agency called Cesare Response Television. And my very next project was Sonicare. Then I started working with OxyClean and made the very first OxyClean infomercial with Billy Mays. Um, uh, Rug Doctor, Sonicare also had a follow-on product called Clarisonic. Uh, we did marketing for a product called Rug Doctor. And then more recently, um, we did all the television marketing for the GoPro camera. Um, 
And, and again, what I'm leaving out here is that all of this was done with a direct response mindset. These wasn't, weren't conventional TV ads. There were always a call to action. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would sell the products direct to consumer, either from TV or later on when we, we have websites to, to fill that up with. And then you asked about Dormeo. So right now, currently, Dormeo is, is a current client and they're a mattress company uh, about 25 years old. It was based in Europe. Um, a friend of mine based in Toronto uh, took over and started a direct-to-consumer business. And so we helped them by making some television infomercials. Uh, and believe it or not, um, you know, television still works to some capacity. Um, mm-hmm. Where we use it a lot is we lo- usually launch products uh, using paid ads online, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, that type of thing build a nice base. Um, and then if you layer in TV, it's a really good way to, to create more awareness and drive more sales uh, once your online business is set up. Mm, how does it really work? So you combine TV with online paid ads, right? Yes. And, and, and first you start with ads because I think most uh, e-commerce business owners, at least who I speak to, they uh, think in the opposite way, like TV ads, it's more about awareness and ads online, it's more about conversion. And I know many people, they don't even believe in TV ads anymore. They think it's not direct response. So how does it really work? You you flip the two, like you start with ads and after you retarget them with TV? Yeah, so, so let's take a, a, a product. Um, it, it can be any type of ter- direct-to-consumer product mm-hmm. um, uh, that... Um, you know, let's say a skincare product. Yeah. yeah. What's that? Let, let's say a skincare product. All right. A skin, a skincare product. So <laughs> what you need to do obviously is set up your online, which, you know, is, this is like basic, you know, build your website, mm-hmm. start your online paid advertising. Um, you know, am if it makes sense, am at Amazon. And, and so now to me, You've built this online foundation and, you know, you're growing organically, you know, through customers, you know, emailing your, building your database, emailing the database. So how do you, how do you ramp up or put, or put, you know, gasoline on the fire? And that's when TV comes in as kind of like a phase two as a way of, of creating more awareness for your product and, and driving more traffic and more sales through the website, through Amazon, uh, you know, through any of the online um, presence that you have. Um, whereas in the past, when I got started, you could do TV first and it, and it mm-hmm. you know, would produce a good enough return. Now you have to have all of your online set up and then layer in TV and it still works very well. Yeah, that's amazing. And regarding uh, tracking, how does it work? Because I think it's a common fear that it's harder to track TV. It, it's definitely harder than online advertising. Um, and that's that's another reason. Um, you you know, we can track it a couple ways. Um, mm-hmm. One, believe it or not, you don't you still have an 800 number, so that can source directly to what station you're running on. But only about 30 percent of the orders come through a call these days. Um, then you have a landing page, uh, that supports the TV ad and you can measure the, the analytics from the landing page. 
But a lot of times people will see the TV ad and they'll Google the product name and then they'll end up on the website or they'll go right to Amazon and purchase there. So you kind of create a baseline um, of what your response was before TV in these other channels and you're looking at kind of the incremental lift that you're getting. Um, and, and so then, um, you know, you, to me, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, multi-channel marketing or omni-channel marketing. So while you're doing this, you have all your online set up, you're laying her in TV, but then you're remarketing the people through, through, you know, email marketing. And if you're doing all of those things and, you know, correctly, that's how, how the businesses grow very, very rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, especially nowadays, omnichannel is crucial. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you use SMS marketing as well or not really? What kind of marketing? SMS, text marketing. Oh, yes. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. we, it's it's important part of what we do with all of our clients. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, it just goes back. One of the things I've learned over the years, because there's always a new method of marketing, a new platform mm-hmm. and yeah. TikTok, you know, something new where people like to, you know, that's a way, re- way of reaching people. People, certain segments of people will always buy where they feel the most comfortable. And that's one of the reasons why you have to be, do multi-channel marketing is to put your product in a position where people feel most comfortable to buy it. So when people say, oh, is TV better than TikTok? Is that better than YouTube? Is that better than, mm-hmm. than uh, you know, text marketing? I, I'm just a big believer in all of them and, and having them all work uh, and, and giving people, um, let people respond the way they're most comfortable. Yeah. Uh, is, yeah. Is, is, is kind of my, you know, one of my fundamental beliefs. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, on the flip side, I really believe in that um, different channels. So, you know, when people, they hang out on TikTok, in general, they have a lower buying intent than when they read an email or text message. What do you think? Is it, is it something uh, real or you, you agree or are no, I, I, I agree. And, and, and here's a mistake people make is um, every product, has different channels that work better for that specific product. So it's hard to always make a generalization. Um, I agree with what you just said about TikTok and the response rates. And so normally, even though I'm a big believer in multi-channel marketing, I always like to find one channel that's working and you kind of start to ramp that up and then you start adding the other channels in. and so it's hard to always make a generalization and saying, you know, does does um, SMS marketing work better than TikTok? And, you know, to me, if you can figure out any one of those channels and you can um, basically use it to grow the business or the product sales you're doing, you should try to always max that out. And then what happens is a lot of times you reach a plateau and it's like, OK, what can I do in addition to the text marketing or what can I do in addition to YouTube ads to make it work? And that's, that's kind of mentality you need to have because a a lot of people um, go into the trap where they're comfortable with a certain type of marketing. And so they gravitate to that 
And yeah. then that's where they spend most of their focus in retail. And I and by no means am I an expert in all these different things. I I think I have a like an understanding of like what needs to be done. And then I find the right agency to implement these things. Um, you know, I try to find the best SMS agency or the best email agency or the, you know, the best agency for buying Facebook ads. And, you know, working with many different products over many years, you know, I have a list of vendors that I use for for different products that uh, always seem to perform well. Yeah. Nowadays, you are more like a strategic person and yes. you, have, you have your vendors and they implement most of it, right? That's we, correct. We discussed it when we talked for the first time. Hey Budai Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast and if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. Mm-hmm. So I wonder um, how TV ads uh, have changed since you well it 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 basically it it follows the um i'm going to say viewing habits of the audience um Mm -hmm. if we're marketing a product that appeals to an older demographic tv becomes a really good channel because that's what Mm -hmm. they grew up on and are used to tv if we're marketing a product that appeals to um people under 30 you know, we want to look at TikTok and SMS and, you know, different types of marketing. But what I have found is if you can create success in one of the channels, I've usually been able to create success in the other channels um, uh, just because um, just because they're the I don't know. There again, it goes back to how the people like to purchase or are or receive their information. And so, when you asked how TV has changed, you know, um, one viewing rates are way down. People are spending a lot more time online. They spend more time on streaming channels. So, if you, you know, when Facebook ad, when Facebook first came out, people were getting unbelievable ROAS, return on investment. As the industry matures a little, that keeps going, getting lower and lower and harder and harder. And that's where we are in TV. Um, TV, it used to be really easy to make a lot of money very quickly using direct response TV. Now it's like you have to really understand the medium and and where to place the ads. And you can still get a good return if you if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Would it make would it, would it make the main channel for for a brand for even for no, a start? No, I um. I always um, I don't ever see it being the main channel because it's it's mm. an expensive process to get into. So I'm always going to start marketing online first. And again, using TV, I would say as a company gets up over a million, two million, three million in sales and you want to jump to 10 or 15 million, that's when you layer TV in uh, to help create that larger awareness. Because even though one of the things I've learned a long time ago, if I'm doing a talk in front of an audience or somebody and they ask how many people watch TV, nobody raises their hand, yet the results are still there. People people still buy from TV. So you can't argue with the results. Yeah. 
I have the same with email when I talk about email marketing to business owners. Everyone tells me I don't, you know, I don't check promotional emails. Yeah, I don't read emails. I just junk them. And, and yet yeah. you get amazing response. It's just, you yeah. know. I think that is the saying, nobody checks it, but everyone can see it or everyone sees it. Yeah, and it. that's why, you know, you asked a question about analytics earlier. That's why you have to really trust the numbers and the results and and both on the good side and the bad side. If on the good side, obviously, if you're getting, you know, good return on investment, you can ramp it up. But also if it is, you're not getting those good results, um, you know, we always go in and say, what can we fix to make this work better? Mm -hmm. But after you try fixing it a few times, you're not getting the results. You better try something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned phone calls. And uh, this gives me the impression that you mostly work with brands that have a higher AOV, something around 500 bucks, even more. Is that the right assumption? So you don't really work with, let's say, I don't know, 10, uh, $10 $50 AOV? Brand? Yeah, probably not. You know, there's a whole... Um, industry of tv products that are 1995 and the reason you make those work is they get the average order value once you're on the phone with upsells and things like that usually the average order value is 80 or 90 dollars by the time mm -hmm. they're done uh and and the 1995 price is a way of um you know getting the phone to ring it's it's yeah, you know yeah. when you it it's you know, people will respond to a lower price every time. Um, I don't work a lot with those that those inexpensive products um, that are, especially there if it's a one-time sale. But you brought up skincare earlier. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a company out there that's made billions of dollars, literally called Guthy Ranker, doing just skincare on TV, um, and and. The reason that works is because of uh, the subscription. You know, there, that initial order might be, you know, twenty nine ninety five or thirty nine ninety five, but through their retargeting and emailing and texting, they get people to commit to, you know, a subscription. Where then that initial order, if somebody stays on it for three or four or five months, that goes up way over a hundred dollars. And that's that's proven to be a really, really good business. But myself personally, I usually deal with consumer product goods um, that are over a hundred dollars, um, mm -hmm. anywhere up from a hundred up to a couple thousand dollars. Um, and it, I mean, that's kind of the niche that I've uh, had mo more success in. Yeah. And uh, probably because there you need more sophisticated marketing as well, right? Because if the product is $20, it can be an impulsive buy on Facebook from a right. Facebook ad, right? But one, and not even mention car companies or, or, you know, we work with a client selling 3D printers for 510K. And the yeah. guy did the phone calls, we did the emails, ads, SEO, PR, everything, and they just work together. And yeah. it's just go more, more complex and more omnichannel than yeah. a cheaper product. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, with the more expensive products, obviously you have more marketing dollars to work with, um, yeah. which you can hit those different channels and and repeat the 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 messaging and things. And that's, um, you know, everybody kind of has a niche that they're more comfortable in, and that's that's, you know, I would say. 
products over a hundred dollars for me is is where you know I don't usually do the the inexpensive products or the subscription mm -hmm. products that much. Um, yeah. That's just kind of the niche niche I found. Here's an example of one right here. I think I showed this the last one. Mm -hmm. It's uh, called Theradome, and it's a laser helmet to help you grow hair and they have two products. One's $500 and the other one's $1,000. And we've been running really successful Facebook campaign, um, email marketing. We aren't doing text marketing yet. We have to get do, get that in, in there. Um, and and TV and, so, and, and Amazon. And so it's like an exact model of what I'm talking about mm -hmm. today yeah. through all the different channels. Yeah. And at what point you would add one more marketing channel? Because so many people, they talk about focus, focus on one thing. I know Alex Hormozzi is very popular nowadays. He talks about hit the one million first, one channel, one product, and then you can add more layers. Yeah, I, I kind of believe in that philosophy is find, especially when you're small or just launching, find the one channel that works that you can ramp up so that you can start generating cash flow before you expand out mm -hmm. either to other channels or other products. So I'm I'm definitely a believer in that uh, focusing on one thing initially and building your success and then then branching out after that. Yeah, first you should have this one focus, but also make sure your cash flow is good, right? Before yes, absolutely. Because once you start expanding, it will decrease most likely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, you think about um, your, and again, just getting into the business a little bit, as your a company's growing and ramping up, you're spending money on advertising, you're spending, you, you're spending money in advance on inventory that you have to have, and you're not getting that money back for quite a while. So yeah. it has to be, it's a little bit of a balancing act the whole, the whole way um, as you're growing a business. And the faster you grow, the more impact on the cash flow there is. Yeah, exactly. That's why you always see all these people on Shark Tank and especially the investors saying, hey, I'm just looking for something I can pour gasoline on. Just, 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 they just want to, they want a model that's working where they can just layer on money, mm -hmm. which then that will help the company grow to the next level. Exactly. Once they have the product market fit, they are ready mm -hmm. to grow. Already have. But once they validated the, the product and 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 the marketing model as well, then it's just a matter of they don't ha personally have the resources to ramp mm -hmm. it up, and that's that's the perfect model that they're always looking for on Shark Tank. Yeah, I think Harry Ford said or wrote in his book that you should only get a loan when your cash flow is good. And then yes. you want to speed up the whole thing. Yeah. And when your cash flow sucks, you should look into it. Like why, why this really happens? Not yeah. looking for loan. more, more money. Isn't going to solve the problem. It's going to make the hole deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a uh, client. Uh, it's kind of a, a little product. I just got done telling you, I don't do mm -hmm. small products, but this was kind of a referral and it was, it's called uh, funk off. And okay. it's a, like a little thing you women carry in their purse to brush mm -hmm. their teeth after drinking wine. And they were on Shark Tank two weeks ago. And um, it, I didn't think they were going to get a deal. And they were just walking out. They did a pretty good presentation. And then at the last minute, Robert uh, goes, wait a minute. That's too cool of a product to not give you guys an offer. And he gave them $250,000 to grow the wow. company. So pretty, pretty cool. Amazing. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, I have one more question. So you sure. mentioned PR on your website as well. So I yes. don't know much about PR, but I wonder how you think about it and, and how to get a good ROI on this. What, what are those things that I know every company is different, every campaign is different, but in general, uh, what works the best in your experience and what, what is that yeah, area? I'm, I'm a really big believer in PR. Um, again, you go back, you have your basic foundation of your, you know, you have a good website, you have Amazon set up and PR um, to me uh, will send, if done correctly, sends very qualified leads or very qualified people to find out more about your product. And I, I approach every, every type of advertising we're talking about with a direct response mindset and that it goes for PR. So if I'm engaging a PR firm and I'm spending $5,000 a month, I'm, I want to, and again, there's no specific direct way to measure this, but you can get a sense for, um, you know, if I'm spending this money, am I generating enough sales to cover the, what I'm paying the PR firm? And a lot of times, um, you know, PR works good if you're, Sometimes when you're just launching a product, uh, again, I like to, once you're online set up and you have a paid channel working and you know your website is converting already correctly, that's a good time to bring PR in and measure it like any other advertising um, uh, channel that you're using. Just figure out a way where you're looking at what you're spending on a monthly basis and see if you're generating sales. And then I always recommend people, the PR agency always wants to do a long-term contract, like 12 months. I always say, try to get a three-month contract because if they're doing their job and they're working, you'll automatically renew with them and keep going. I mean, why would you stop if it's working? But you yeah. don't want to be locked into something that isn't working. Yeah, I just told my team the same today. Three Good. months maximum, yeah. Uh, last question to you. So. Who was that mentor for you? Who, who was in the past 30 years? Uh, who was your biggest mentor? Someone who you learned the most from? Yeah, it was funny. Um, I, when I was doing the juice man business, we hired, we, the business was built around a spokesperson named Jay Cordich. And he mm -hmm. had a, uh, uh, an advisor uh, named Jack Lee, who was a very successful businessman. He lived down in Rancho Santa Fe, San Diego, and um, he had uh, created several successful businesses and brought a company public. And I'd have to say he was my big, when I was younger, my biggest mentor, um, not so much in specifics of marketing, but just in business in general. Mm -hmm. And he was somebody, you know, a good mentor is somebody that you can always like, if you have a question, you just pick up the phone and call and, and talk through a problem and, and, and just you're, you're basically leaning on someone else's experience to help you solve your problems. And for me, that was a, a great mentor at the time uh, that I was um, building our, our first business. Yeah, I think many marketers, great marketers, they need a businessman who can help Absolutely. them. Absolutely. They need, they need somebody who, a good operations person mm -hmm. is yeah. the best match um, to go with a good marketing person. Because you need both. They're both, like I would, I would 
die of boredom if I had to do just operations all the time because I'm a mar you know marketing you like to right. make things happen excitement but on the other hand I realize you have to have that good operations person mm -hmm. to balance out what you're doing exactly yeah thanks Rick uh, for sharing your story today and thanks everyone who listened to us or watched the live stream and if anyone wants to reach out to uh, Rick you can go to his website rickcesare.com or directbranding.com and uh, stay tuned everyone because every week we come out with a new episode in the ecom show and uh, thanks again have a great day thanks daniel